0: Welcome to Help From Future Self.
1: Howdy Archons, welcome to another episode of Help From Future Self. It's a conversational KeyForge podcast by and for KeyForge friends all around the world. My name is Scuzzy Gruen, but my friends call me Alex. You can count yourself amongst that number if you're listening right now. And I'm joined as always by my coach, my pal. It's Boulevard Paper Fight. What's happening, Blake?
0: Hey, what's going on, man?
1: And returning guest to the podcast one of my favorite KeyForge minds, and a person I am so excited to talk about House Logos with today. It's Lady Aurora. What's happening? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be here. So glad to have you back on the podcast, and specifically to talk about Logos, because I know that you've had a lot of success playing some Logos decks, and I'm very curious to hear what you think about them as a house. So uh, in the spirit of sort of getting into the topic of Logos as a house and examining them from the beginning of the game until today on the cusp of the release of Mass Mutation, which we now know is going to be on July 10th. I have to ask, what were your first
2: impressions of Logos when you started playing Keyforge Aurora? I think that my, my first impression of Logos was this is obviously the house favorite of the designer, which turned out to be true. Uh, we know from uh, some uh, interviews with Brad uh, Andres that uh, no longer works with FFG, but was the lead designer for um, at least the free common set, probably uh, mass mutations as well. That it's uh, his favorite house, and it shows. It has it has gotten a lot of love. I always I always liked uh, what it does, like um, efficiency and card draw and all that thing is always makes for a more fun experience for the player playing a house. Like, you know, it works well, it flows, it's fun, it's liquid. Uh, And that's that's kind of what House Logos does for me. It makes decks more fluid. Blake, what were your first impressions of Logos when you started
1: playing? Honestly,
0: I just love the concept of the art and the whole like kind of cyborg robot theme. Like I was really drawn to that. And then when you start playing with it, you realize there's just some really fun things you can do with it, and it like like Aurora said, there's just ways you can get efficiency, um, especially in that first Coda era with library access. Of course, was one of the most fun things you could do in the game at that time. Like as much as um, like Battle Fleet we talked about last week as being a draw thing, I don't think it really compares to library access. Uh, Just the ability to just keep playing and drawing, playing and drawing, and potentially like it can just snowball depending on where you are in your deck and what has been played. It just created a lot of really interesting opportunities. And uh, I just, I love House Logos. It's definitely always been in my top three for every set, if not top two.
1: Totally agree. It's a weird thing going back for me and looking at the Logos card pool, from the very beginning of the game, because in my head, Logos had sort of calcified as being like, oh, they're the archiving and card draw house. That's their specialty. But when I go and look at the Coda Card Pool, there's so much more in there. And like, They have some really excellent Amber control. They've got some interesting removal. Um, They've got a few, like, really, really interesting ways of affecting key cost and also house cheating. They had a little bit of everything. So uh, I guess transitioning to our discussion about Call of the Archons, what do you think uh, the relative power level of Logos was in that era, Aurora? Um, Obviously, you know, Shadows is sort of de facto understood to have been... You know, good or not, the best house, or at least the most winning house in the Coda era. Where do you think Logos stacks up in sort of the initial houses in terms
2: of its power level and its utility? Well, I think that uh, Logos being a kind of house that helps you do other things, in a lot of games it depends on what your uh, other houses do in order to make them more efficient, uh, make their place better. Uh, on its own it doesn't always do a lot like you don't it doesn't it's not a main house it's not a burst house so it doesn't uh generate your ton of amber usually and it doesn't uh allow you to call it repeatedly and reap uh this is not what logos does what logos does is help you filter through your deck in order for your outer houses to be more efficient uh, sure, sometimes you can have some uh, combos that are pretty bursty and you have some disruption, and some removal and yeah, it, it comes together nicely. But overall, I think logos. what Logos does best is make your other houses work better. So, uh, thinking of that, then um, you kind of want to have one of the more powerful houses in your deck with it. Like uh, in Coda that was like uh, Shadows, Dis or Untamed, those were the uh, three other powerful houses, and uh, when you had logos with them, they just—it would just increase the overall efficiency of the deck. Uh, in in just flat power level, I would probably rank it second or third, uh, either before or after this. Obviously, shadows being what shadows, and quota was uh, extremely efficient.
1: Blake, where do you rank logos in that initial run of houses?
0: That or summed it up perfectly it be it's somewhere around the untamed disc and I, and i think you could make the argument that it's it's obviously list dependent because mm-hmm. there's obviously going to be some that are more powerful than others and there's certain aspects that exist within those 3 that if you have them together make it better and also synergize with what logos wants to do so um i agree yeah it's in it's in the top 3 and i think it's it's that third slot where it's it's kind of it's subjective to how people prefer the game. That's, that's how kind of how I, I think it's hard to not say that this is second, but I think for third it's between that and untamed Um, it's, it's going to be subjective at that point. That's, that's my, my personal opinion because there is some logos that is not very good. And you can, you, it is possible to get like a whole group of cards that doesn't do what logos wants to do because um, in the Coda era of logos, there was, a huge diversity like it was an extremely well-rounded house so you had a lot of things that almost didn't make sense for logos some creatures that were skirmish with fight abilities uh, was kind of bizarre now looking at what we see now for logos uh, looking back like and of course talking about quick and bat drone so um yeah just just that aspect made it kind of interesting but very well-rounded house like you had literally the whole set of tools for the game existed within that one house, which was very interesting. But, you know, sometimes the uh, the jack of all trades is the master of none.
1: Aurora, when you open up a Coda deck, what are you looking for in Logos, if it has Logos as one of its
2: houses? If I had to pick any two cards, I would pick Library Access and Time Traveler every time.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: they just work so well together. Um, it and it's fun and it's exciting and it just makes your deck flow so much more interestingly. Um, but I also look for um uh, wild wormholes because I love them and I look for um any kind of uh, damage uh, or uh, removal because that's always useful to have and I want. Uh, logos to be my utility house, so like uh, twin bolt emissions, positron bolts, uh, bouncing death bar, neutron shark are all excellent cards to see in my logos house. Uh, some house cheating, some archiving are always fun, those are obviously the, the most powerful cards in, in, uh, in logos. I usually want to be able to have at least a few creatures, um, not be entirely actions because. I want to be able to put some presence on the board while I play House Logos so my opponent can't just run away with the board and do whatever they want.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Aurora, I'm just wondering, what what is your thought on Titan Mechanic?
1: I was just going to ask.
0: Yeah, it's it's such a big body in uh, in the logo suite, and it's one of those things that you can kind of just put on the board and it creates this sort of, uh, it's an opportunity, I would say, and it's not always easy to deal with.
2: Yeah, it's a really good card. I like it. Um, I really like it as a first turn play. Um, you put down a uh, Titan mechanic on the board, and if they have a creature that you need to remove next turn, like on, on turn one, when you can only play one card, you put the Titan mechanic on the board. Then, if they play something that you need to deal with, you have a way to do that. Um, it has a big body, and the cost decrease can as- actually be useful. Um, Uh, If your deck is pretty bursty, then you can generate some amber and leave it on the flank and force them to deal with it, and dealing with a six-body creature is not that easy. Um, In uh, one of my favorite decks, um, the one that I won a Grand Championship with, has uh, two Titan mechanics, and I have played one game at the Grand Championship, um, like around six or seven, where I forged... All three keys for four Amber by keeping my of <laughs> mechanics on the flank.
1: That was like an terrible. extremely fast game.
2: <laughs> Incredible.
0: It's like it's like buy two get one free.
2: In that deck, it spells really well with the miasmas because you decrease the key cost and then they go up to four or five, and you just miasma them and you don't kill and you and you forge again for four.
1: Mm, that's gross. Very much so.
2: Yeah, I I just th- there's
1: very few bummer cards I find looking at uh, the original run of of logos cards. Like there's a few that I think are pretty bad. Dimension door I find very rarely does work for me. I don't know what the idea behind Spangler box was. Um, you know, there's a few others where you just. I like Spangler box. Like, really?
2: Yeah. Explain. Uh, well, it's 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 delayed. Uh, so you can't use it on the, on the play, turn you play it, but it's uh, purge a creature basically, uh, mm. one targeted purge, and if your opponent is not playing Logos, then it will just stay on your opponent's side of the board. And sometimes you can combo it with a remote access, uh, oh. so you play it, you purge your opponent's creature, and then your remote accesses it, and you do that again, and you purge two creatures, that feels pretty good. You, you know what? You you
1: absolutely convinced me Spangler Box is good. Uh, it didn't take much. Uh, but I also wanted to point out the fact that there's a bunch of weirdly underrated cards um, from the Logos era. We're talking about Psychic Bug, which now, looking at it, I'm like, that card is ridiculously good. You get oh, yeah. an amber for playing it, and it lets you look at your opponent's hand so you can see if they're holding, like, amber control or something that punishes you going
2: way up or something like that. That is... That's so good. It's a rare though. That's why people don't mm. usually follow that. It's, it's so good because they didn't have an opportunity to play with it and realize it's power. What is an amazing card. Yeah.
1: Transitioning over to talking about the age of Ascension, Blake, looking at the changes between Coda and AOA, what are your impressions of how they wanted to refine or change house logos?
0: They definitely decided to give it more of a specific identity, I think. The, the diversity of card pool and all the different things you could do and how it was so well-rounded definitely shifted. And I think the the biggest loss that happened was the Ember control department when we hit AOA. Uh, There's only two cards in the whole set, and they're not very good ones. And one of them is cutthroat research where the opponent has to have eight Ember for it to actually do anything, and you're still not taking them off check. Then, of course, uh, Fetch Drones, which is just super finicky uh, to capture. So you really lost the ability to have Ember Control, but they really ramped up the identity of archiving and that efficiency of being able to cycle. But not only cycle, it's like store for later and have really big turns because of your house logos.
2: I really, I have a combo that I really like with Fetch Drones. Uh, if you have a Harland Mine Lock, you take the flank creature and then you use the fetch storms and you put the amber on it. So if they take it back, now it's your amber.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
2: That's a really good combo. <laughs> Actually, like that, that
0: had
1: never occurred to me. Um, one of the things that I think that uh, sticks out to me uh, for AOA was, like you said, Blake, the lack of amber control makes it a harder house to have in competitive decks because obviously if you want to keep calling logos uh, you want to be able to have a way to stop your opponent from forging or at the very least hold them off for forging and there just isn't much going on in the house for that but it did give us I thought some very interesting stuff in terms of identity like developing the further identity of uh, logos in terms of things like its removal so Uh, You know, you've still got, you've got new cards like standardized testing that are reinforcing your removal. And those are ones that are like, they're more complex in the way that they interact with the game. I'm also a really big fan of things like Professor Sutterkin and Mm -hmm. the ZYX cycle of cards. Just cards that have more complexity to them and that interact with the rest of Logos. And in fact, the rest of your houses in different ways.
0: Yeah, there's... There is like that, that interesting aspect. And I mean, we also saw the replacement of phase shift with helper bot, which I think was very much an AOA thing where they started to decide, uh, let's take away some of these actions that existed and create a creature form of them. So there's also more on the board. And, and it was just that, that shift. And it actually worked out that helper bot existing was, was, very beneficial within the set and within logos because you also got like honestly maybe one of the most iconic cards of the whole aoa set and that was archimedes because of everything that happened with that strange judge ruling one Mm -hmm. vault tour which caused them to shift the way the card was intended to play and then have to errata it later with a clarification back to what it actually was uh i think most people thought it was meant to do and mean There's so many cool cards that have playabilities in Logos and in the game in general that having the ability to throw it next to Archimedes just allowed that recursion when they got destroyed either by yourself or by your opponent and then going back into your archives.
1: Very much so. You know what I think the most iconic AOA Logos card is to me? Igor. Just really, there's something about Igor at common that I love seeing. And, you know, it's so rare with me that I play an Igor and I have to go, Oh, shucks. I don't want to throw out any of these cards. It's just, maybe it's the way I am as a player, but playing the Igor and then just making that judgment call of, okay, of these three cards, which one do I want right now? And the other two can go away and maybe I'll get them later. If I cycle my deck always is like a fun and interesting decision in a game. It's not always optimal, but it's one of those things that allows you to think through, what's going on, what your strategy is, what's going to be most beneficial based on what you know your opponent has. And that's the kind of gameplay that I think I've really started to become drawn towards in Key Forge is that analytical, what am I trying to do? What am I trying to accomplish? And Igor is really sort of a facilitator, but also a thing that sort of like sparks your thinking and makes you think in different ways by the options that it presents you.
0: What were your thoughts on some of like your favorite things and memorable stuff from AOA?
2: um i really like how you can play some key card and then get it back with the uh, archive it back with the zyx uh, researcher uh, i also uh, of the three sort of at the beginning of your turn draw card style things in uh, key and logos which is mother daughter and director of zyx i like zyx the most uh it it really it's a really interesting way for you to build up an archive Um, because it's random. So you you can't like have an house split and makes for really interesting decisions.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean, um, just like everything we're talking about, like there's so much archiving that exists in this. Like you even had something like Hexbeon, which was only a two power creature, but Mm. you got to archive it and the top card of your deck it was. It's just made such an interesting proposition for your opponent. Like, do they really want to actually kill that, or they're just going to leave something that has the potential to reap? And then you have something like a stutterkin, where it's contributing to that. It's just. It made some some extremely interesting uh, propositions with that. Um, the other thing that we got within this, which is the very first logos key cheat in redacted, which I think is is one of the. The less skillful cards, mm-hmm. key cheats to play because it's literally you just drop it, and I don't think you really try and focus on it too much unless you're going for your third key and you know you can just pull it off. It's kind of just something that you throw down, and if it works out, it works out. Like, what were your thoughts on Redacted Aurora?
2: Uh, I really like the card, uh, but I don't like it for like competitive play. I like it for like you know more casual stuff. I like dropping it down and see like, the countdown of my turns. Uh, go go basically, and my opponent like having be, being put on a, like a serious clock because if you put it if we put it down early, you basically only have to forge two keys unless they have artifact control, and that's a really nice feeling.
1: Yeah, I mm-hmm. would hundred percent agree with you. I'm glad you brought up Redacted Blake because I was going to ask you both the question of how you feel about that card. I find it rarely goes off for me, and I was trying to figure out why because it doesn't seem like it would be that challenging to uh uh call logos four times and get a key like that seems like the most gimme key cheat of all time and yet in my decks decks that have redacted i find it doesn't happen that frequently and the more i think about it, the more i think it's because i never hard uh uh mulligan for it and so oftentimes it turns up mid or late game when i'm probably not calling logos because the Logos card set doesn't lend itself to that main house turnover, over turn call unless you have a very specific set of cards to go with Redacted. So I think Aurora is spot on the money. If you get it first turn and you can put it down, then chances are you might be able to pull off a key cheat and it might even be worth calling Logos on an off turn just to get there for that third key. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting key cheat in a lot of ways just because it points out the flow of Key Forge in a lot of ways despite it not being a very skilled card in order to play.
0: The only problem with it is that if your opponent has any, for to, any form of artifact removal at all, like even if it's just a Grasping Vines like the card is, it's not going to go off. There's mm-hmm. there's no way they don't end up drawing that unless like something really weird is happening and just be able to stop it. That's the one unfortunate thing. It literally falls to any form of artifact removal.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Moving on to Worlds Collide logos, I think inarguably one of the very top houses in the Worlds Collide meta, there are some absolutely beastly Logos decks out there, and looking at the card pool, it really does harken back to original Coda for me, because there's so much diversity in the card pool, and in fact, some of those older cards that we didn't think were that great at that time have gotten really, really good in Worlds Collide. So before we start talking about the really new cards that have become excellent in the uh, uh, Worlds, uh, uh, that are excellent in the Worlds Collide meta, let's talk a little bit about some of the Logos cards that have suddenly become great. You brought up Cutthroat Research as an underwhelming card in the AOA meta. Cutthroat Research is great in Worlds Collide because there's so much key cost increase, it's very likely your opponent might have two uh, eight amber, allowing you to steal two at some point, plus the one, for playing the card uh let's also talk a little bit about disanya who's always been a good card is one of the only ways to mess with your opponent's archive and there's so much archiving in worlds collide that disanya has become just this absolute like wonderful utility card never unhappy to see it and can absolutely ruin your opponent's day when you see it um i also feel like knowledge is power despite not being a top tier card has actually gotten a lot more value now that you've gotten because once again there's so much archiving eaten logos that you can suddenly get burst or add to that archive stuff like that's just never going to go out of style. It's so handy. And that's before we start talking about the new cards. And when we're talking about the new cards, there is so much archiving in logos in the world's collide meta, and it allows you to pull off some pretty wacky stuff. Obviously EDI four by four is one of the most uh, iconic cards from this set. Um, it's really possible to do some pretty remarkable key cost increases. If you have an archive going, your opponent's going to forge a key, and then you drop an E-Die, even if they can remove it next turn because you can't protect it, it still is able, if you have even you know one or two cards archived already, to raise that key cost to a point where it's just not possible for them to forge. I'm also thinking about cards like Mimic Gel, which to me is just a ridiculously powerful card if you have the right Uh, pieces on the board in order to be able to play it, either mimicking one of your own or one of your opponent's creatures to get all that value, getting that play effect, perhaps getting that uh, uh, or reap or fight effects going on, Um, being able to double up if you have a key creature and then mimic gel can be sort of your insurance. If there's removal against that creature, I just, I really love the card pool and it feels like there's very little low value stuff in, in logos in this set.
0: Uh, yeah, when you're talking about Mimic Gel, I had actually someone do something really cool with Mimic Gel that I was I was super uh, impressed. Uh, they were playing against me and they had the Mimic Gel and I had a Lady Maxina out. So they Mimic Gel the Maxina to stun one of my creatures and then it has the action ability to return it to your hand so you could copy another creature. And I thought that was just oh. so cool of, of a thing that I've never seen happen with Mimic Gel before. And it's just basically getting double value and having an instant impact plus a big body on board. I thought it was such a neat uh, trick to pull.
2: You could always uh, also uh, copy Time travel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And shuffle it back into your deck.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome.
1: Aurora are there any specific Logos cards from the Worlds Collide that you're a fan of or that you have some interesting combos or thoughts on?
2: My favorite uh, card in Logos in Worlds Collide is actually Code Monkey. I really like this card, um, mostly because of how it rewards me for thinking ahead about how to set up my battle line. Um, it's really interesting to be able to set up a future interesting turn with uh, by playing your houses next to each other and making sure that you have a target for two creatures to put into your archives, especially if that those cards have like really powerful play effects, like uh, infernus for example. Oh, yeah.
1: Very much so. I'm also a really big fan of the amount of card draw that there is in this set. Uh, Tao Tao Vapors is hands down, I think, one of the absolute best cards in Logos and Worlds Collide. There is no downside to playing it ever. It is the ultimate, like, there is never a bad time to play Tao Tao Vapors. Draw two cards, archive a card. Unless you have a full, like, Logos hand that you want to play and you draw into, you know, two Logos cards... There's almost no chance that you're not going to be able to archive a card for next turn or a future turn and then get some more options for it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Of course, Hide and Vellum add to that as well with their uh, draw abilities. You've also got Daughter uh, taking the place of Mother, oddly enough. Um, Yeah, just like so much good card draw and so many like ways to just get that incremental advantage that we show Adds up turn over, turn over, turn to provide you with big advantage over time. Zenzi, Zenzi, Zen Zenzi. Oh, oh cool. yeah. Okay, okay. I underrated Zenzi um when I did my initial like rundown of all the leaders. Now I'm not convinced that Zenzi isn't like the most immediately great one. Like Captain Val is pretty incredible but zenzi's advantage is so enormous if you get it turn 1 it's kind of hard to ignore
0: yeah and the two armor makes it a lot harder to deal with than uh, than other ones it's it's honestly i just think the the val the invidious and the zenzi those 3 just if you have any of those like, turn 1 it just creates like it completely turns the game on its head for your opponent, like the way they have to suddenly go into panic mode and deal with it is, is always fantastic. And I think almost Zenzi is the, 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 the harder one for your opponent to really take to heart because the, the impact of it is not almost happening to them directly. So they're not, they're not necessarily recognizing the threat in terms of it's physically happening. You're just drawing more cards and it just gets out of control. And eventually you're like, Oh, how, how are they going through their deck already? I'm, I'm not even halfway through mine.
1: A quick uh, note here, I think that Logos has some of the most interesting creatures um, in Worlds Collide. Um, And it sort of feeds into the fact that there's always been kind of like a combat undercurrent in Logos that I think people don't think about very often because their identity is so established as the card draw archiving science house, for lack of a better term. But when you look at some of the cards that are available to you in Worlds Collide, like Hapsis, which I think is really excellent. Uh, I like Titan Guardian a lot because it provides protection to your creatures and then advantage if it gets taken off the board. So sometimes it's almost worth it to blow up your own Titan Guardian and get that two card draw. Um, I'm also thinking about things like reassembling automaton and self bolstering automaton that can be used to pull off some absolutely disgusting combos with things like Neutron Shark or as storehouses for Captured Amber. That's not even to mention things like the Think Tanks, which have the option to do some big damage and really punish people for not paying attention to where they're placing things on the battle line. I think there's a really excellent creature aspect that's kind of underrated in Logos, not just for the creatures that provide you with card draw or key cost increase, but that can provide you a lot of value for things like removal or just straight-up fights. So, with a new set on the horizon, is there anything you'd like to see going forward in Logos? Is there a specific aspect of their personality that you would like to see developed a little more in future sets? Or is there something very iconic about uh, Logos that you would like to see retained, no matter what other changes we see coming to the house? Aurora?
2: I think I would like to see them develop more as a main house be able to reap repeatedly and maintain a board similar to how uh, Star Alliance can do something like that, or Saurians can do something like that. I want to be able to build a Logos board and use it repeatedly.
0: What about you, Do you Blake? think like in, well, I'm just curious because you remember in in Coda we had a lot of like Novo archaeologists, you had Doc booked in. you had, um, what's the other one, the Ganymede archivist where it provided like a, you wanted to call because you could kind of set up and, and there, was, there was a benefit to using their reap abilities. Is Do you want to see more things like in that vein or something completely different?
2: No, I, I would like to see more of that, but I needed to be on creatures that are more survivable or uh, have the, the house be more survivable or have some more taunts or more things like that. Like uh, In Worlds Collide, we have the Titan Guardian, which is an excellent taunt creature. Uh, but you don't have that many creatures that you want to use repeatedly. There are some, but not a lot of them. I would like to be able to have more of that in the house. And uh, yeah, if I can have like something like a novel archaeologist and get some recursion while I'm playing Logos, that would be swell. Blake, any
1: thoughts on stuff you'd like to see in Mass Mutation or future sets for Logos? Yeah, I, I
0: definitely want to see more of the... Like Definitely Worlds Collide Logos provided that balance of Ember Control, and, and I think that's something I want to see just in general with all the houses, as I want them to have all access to Ember Control, because uh, it just feels bad when you pull a deck that doesn't contain Ember Control, or the type that it does have is very finicky, so you can't use it that well. You want to have that because that is a core aspect of the game is being able to control your opponent from forging or not. And that back and forth makes the games the most interesting, I think. So I just want to keep that well-roundedness within Logos because they definitely did it in Worlds Collide, Provide a lot of ways where you can do some Ember control. And with it moving forward, I want to see the archiving and things like that just just keep with that and and that whole zyx idea of being able to use your archives which i believe they're starting to do in mass mutations um i'm i'm just excited for that aspect of the game because i think it provides very interesting uh utility i mean we're seeing ways that the archive can be utilized mm. and then you have things like um they they also it's just actually logos in general providing ways that archives and different Uh, areas of play can be utilized because then they also have the universal recycling bin which allows you to utilize your purge cards. so i think that's becoming an interesting identity within house logos
1: I agree with you 100%. And the thing I was going to say for the future of Logos is I want to see more interesting ways to interact with the Archive. And I think House Logos is the perfect house for it. We're not just talking about adding cards or cheating cards out of your Archive. I would love to see creatures, actions, or artifacts that interact with you or your opponent's Archive. For example, um, if you had something that allowed you to cause your opponent to discard a card from their Archive and then lets you Archive a Card or a card that allows you to destroy something in play and then something gets added to the archive or taken out of the archive. Those are all things that I think are interesting and would add a dimension that has barely been explored. As you said, Blake, we're starting to see the cards that have given us that, and obviously the ZYX cycle gave us lots of ways to interact with the Archive. I want to see that developed more, and I would love to see ways to interact with my opponent's Archive or my own Archive. Even just a way to peek into your opponent's Archive, I think, would be super valuable, considering Mm. the huge amount of value that we've seen from Archived cards these days. Smart players are the kind of folks who archive cards knowing that you don't know what's there thus planting a seed of doubt did they archive uh you know an interdimensional graft or did they archive something relatively useless just to put plant that seed in my head i love that stuff and
0: so like a mutant psychic bug that instead of hand it says archives type yeah
1: yeah i love stuff like that that would be so cool um that feeds actually very nicely into the titular segment which we call help from, help future, from, from self. future self this one is archive related and it's coming from me Um, I forget to do this all the time and I oftentimes have to remind myself is, um, especially when you're playing online, it's a little bit harder when you're playing live to forget about this. When your opponent pulls your archive, please pay attention because the number of times that I have not been paying close enough attention when my opponent has pulled their archive and then suddenly has a mitt full of cards to do things it is not inconsiderable. And it's just like lazy, not paying attention type gameplay that I find trips me up on it. Um, so like I'm holding a Desanya and then suddenly the Desanya is useless because, you know, I thought they had five cards in their archive and they don't. Um, yeah, just, just pay close attention to how much archiving is going on. And if you have Desanya, sometimes I find it's absolutely not worth it to wait for that big discard to just play it, get rid of whatever's in there and keep moving on. Pay attention to how your opponent is using their archive, when they draw their archive, and also think about what might be in that archive. Um, like I said before, people can bluff with it, but oftentimes it is a storehouse for their absolute best big plays, and you want to be aware of that. You want to know what's coming.
0: Oh, yeah. For me, Dasanya, if, if I know my opponent has it and and I have a card that forces the archive, I will almost always plan for something like, okay, I'm calling this next turn. And if so, I'm only losing one card, like I won't store things in my archive anymore. If uh is present, I think it's just too much of a risk. And if I am going to, they're going to be cards that I definitely don't care about. And so that it's just helping thin at that point.
1: All right. You can, of course, find us online at patreon.com slash HFFSPodcast. You can find us on Twitter at the same place. You can find me as Scuzzy Gruen on Twitter, Instagram, and on The Crucible. Where can they find you, Blake?
0: You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Boulevard Paper Fight. That's Paperfight as well. You can search me on YouTube and find my content there. Um, I just did a couple of videos looking at the idea of Speed Sigil with Mars based on what Vampire Polite Talk said in our previous episode. So there's uh, two games that I did there that were very interesting and utilized it in very unique ways.
1: And Aurora, you have both a podcast and a blog talking about uh, Key Forge. Where can folks find those?
2: Uh, Just search for Timeshapers, plural with an S at the end. There's timeshapers.com for the website and the blog. Uh, There's also the podcast, just search for it on your favorite uh, podcast app. Uh, you can also find me on Discord, I'm uh, Aurore, you can find me on the Sanctimonious Discord mostly. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, at Material Poetics, and we just put up a video of an hour and a half of me rating uh, the Mass Mutation Discards uh, on the YouTube channel, which is also Time Shapers.
1: Excellent. All right. That is it for another episode of Help from Future Self. Thank you so much, Aurora, for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and so excited to have you on again in future. You'll join us again, won't you?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I uh, can't wait.
1: All right. Until next time, stay fortunate.